Hello, everybody. Cheryl Todd here from Gun Freedom Radio. And I am here with my good friend right here in the great state of Arizona, Mr. Dave Kopp. He is the president of the Arizona Citizens Defense League, the AZCDL. And he is also the president of the AZCDL Foundation that has a, a similar but different mission uh, that works uh, synergistically together with the, the other work that he does at uh, the Arizona Citizens Defense League. Welcome to the show, Dave. Hi, Cheryl. How are you doing? Very, very well. Thank you. So can you help people, can you distinguish for people, you know, those two hats? I mean, I know you wear a ton of different hats, but those particular two hats, uh, how, how are they similar and how are they different? Well, um, Arizona Citizens Defense League, the original organization, which has been in business for 15 years now, uh, we are an IRS C4 political organization. Uh, our basic mission is to educate the citizenry, not just gun owners per se, but the citizenry about their connection to government, how they can be involved. And so that's basically what we do. We keep people connected to their government, make sure their legislators know that they're concerned, they're aware, they're watching. And so we, uh, we facilitate that with email campaigns. We stay down at the legislature pretty much 24-7 when they're in session and monitor bills, good bills, bad bills. We try to promote the good ones, get rid of the bad ones. Um, so that's basically AZCDL in a nutshell, and, and you can find out more at www.azcdl.org. Um, the foundation, on the other hand, and this kind of grew out of the legislative mission, um, when we passed constitutional carry back in 2010, I want to say, uh, there was a lot of concern that, okay, well, nobody needs a permit anymore, so nobody's going to get one, nobody's going to get any training, everybody's going to start being irresponsible. And so the foundation came out of that. We want to promote firearm safety training. We want to make sure that permit or no permit, people are going out there and getting trained from good instructors. We want to facilitate that to, to uh, every extent possible. And so the foundation's mission, and it's an IRS C3, uh, which you know, for those who don't know the difference, the C4 is, is not tax deductible on your income tax, the C3 is for donations. Um, but so the, the main issue for the foundation is to make sure that people are trained and responsible gun owners. Well, and to that end, I know that you have organized uh, an awesome event coming up that, that touches on uh, safety, touches on training, those kinds of things. And that is this, the Safe Schools and Healthy Students Seminar with a very special guest speaker, Colonel Dave Grossman. That's, that's a big get. He is, uh, I mean, he almost needs no introduction in any crowd. So um, tell us a little bit about this event and, and what it's all about and, and why Colonel Grossman would say, yeah, I'm coming all the way to Arizona because that, this is that important. Well, as I'm sure you know, and but you know, for those in the audience that might not, uh, Carl Grossman is an author. He's a lecturer. Uh, he's been a, a, a career army officer. Uh, he trained at West Point. His books, uh, several of them, are required reading at West Point. Um, he is considered one of the foremost experts in the world on killing. And uh, you know, it sounds like a very unpleasant subject. And of course, for most of us, you know, nobody wants to get anywhere near that. Who wants to kill somebody? But he has studied 
and gotten into the, the details of what makes people kill. And obviously part of that was a function of his army psychology training. Uh, and you know, the army's desire to, to find out, okay, how do we get our soldiers to kill when we need them to kill and not to kill when they shouldn't? Mm -hmm. so the research grew into this whole, uh, I don't even know what to call it, a, a industry almost, mm -hmm. the study of killing. Mm -hmm. uh, Grossman uh, pretty much founded that and uh, has, has been at the forefront of it. Um, what we're asking him to talk about in the title of his lecture is Safe Schools and Healthy Students. Given the environment these days, given the rise in mass killing events, given the rise in, in these events at schools in particular, our concern is that rather than going off the rails and passing all kinds of laws that will have no effect whatsoever, we need to focus on how do we protect those kids. And uh, you and I are, are Facebook friends as well, and I think it was you or possibly somebody else that posted a meme recently that summed it up really well, where the one side is saying, well, when are you going to give up your guns to protect your kids? Yes. And our answer to that is, when are you going to pick up a gun to protect your kids? Exactly. Because exactly. reality is, and we see this all over the world. Yes, we have a problem here. Nobody can deny that. But the problem is not exclusive to the United States, as a lot of people have claimed. That is absolutely not true. There have been mass killing events all over Europe in African countries. I mean, just uh, was a year or so ago, a guy drove a truck through a crowd in France, in East France, and killed 80-something people. So clearly it's not the gun. No, in Japan, just recently in Japan, a man set a building on fire killing 34 people. If he had used a firearm instead of fire, we would have heard wall-to-wall -wall coverage just like we did in Paris when bad guys used guns to go into a concert a venue, I believe it was. But because it was fire, there's no political angle, so we don't hear anything. But uh, when it's a firearm, then, you know, the, the message is, it's because we care so much, that's why we're telling you about this news. And it's completely disingenuous. Bad people are going to do bad things, and they're going to find a tool to, to that end. Um, and so this seminar that, that you're bringing to Arizona is talking about that reality, right? So this author, Colonel uh, Dave Grossman, is talking about that reality. And then you're taking it a step further and you're saying, but you know, there's things we can do about it in real time. And what would that be? Well, and, and this gets into it, and I don't want to obviously cover too much that, that Colonel Grossman's going to cover because that's why he's coming out here. But this gets into the, the down and dirty. If you're really concerned about protecting the kids, okay, what do you do? And so our side, their side, we all have different answers. But the interesting thing, and I've seen this quite a bit, especially down to the legislature where things get very political, a lot of times you'll have guys on their side saying, oh, well, we don't need guns, we need more counselors. We don't need guns. Maybe we need more SROs. You know, we, we need anything except guns. And my answer to that is and has always been, okay, I'm good with counselors. Mm -hmm. If you can head off the problem before it starts, that's great. Mm -hmm. Nothing better. Mm -hmm. I'm good with SROs. If you can have somebody patrolling, might dissuade some crazy guy from coming in, that's great too. But in the final analysis, when the crazy guy gets through the gate with a gun or fire or whatever, then what? 
Yeah. You have to have an answer to that question. It's just simple. So, and, the, and this ties in again, um, uh, Faster from Ohio is helping us sponsor this. Um, hopefully they will be able to send somebody out and have a, a quick talk about their program. The Faster program trains school staff to be armed, to be prepared, to be Johnny on the spot, as we used to say when I was a kid, uh, with medical care. Uh, you know, they, they have an acronym, and, and I'm going to probably screw this up now, but I try to remember. It, it is uh, ESNP was the acronym. And so it stands for eliminate the threat, job one. Okay, somebody making holes in people, you got to stop them making holes in people. Okay. Yes. And secure the area, any weapons, anything that, that could cause further harm. Mm-hmm. Notify the authorities, get the police, ambulance, so on and so forth on the road to you. And then, what was the last one? No, I'm sorry. Uh, yes, MP, uh, provide care. Oh. And so, part of what they train people to do is emergency trauma medicine. Uh, like I said, somebody's putting holes in people. You got to plug the holes. You got to stop the bleeding. Yeah. You got to make sure that people are conscious and breathing and aware and so on and so forth. You got to do whatever you can to treat the wounded. But like I said, it goes back to step one E eliminate the threat first because as long as somebody's still making holes, you've got a problem. Yeah. So you got to take all the steps in order. And they train teachers. When I took class with them, there were teachers, there were administrators, there were school principals, school superintendents, a couple of SROs, there were all kinds of folks there. Yes. And without a doubt, the most amazing thing to me, and I was a bit of a cut up when I was a kid, so the teachers weren't, weren't my favorite people when I was in school. You know, talking to these folks, they are so dedicated to the notion that nobody is going to get to their kids. And a lot of these guys never carried a gun before. It never even dawned on them. They, you know, they didn't grow up with guns like I did and, and you did. But they were convinced that, you know what? Our kids are important. I don't want to be standing in front of our kids and then just die. And the guy gets to our kids then. Yes. All I'm doing is slowing them down. I want to be able to protect my kids. I want to be able to stop the threat. I want to be able to take care of them. And these people, every last one of them, to a man and woman, Every last one of them was just dedicated to that idea. And, you know, I mean, think about that for a second. These people are teachers. They're principals. This is not what they do for a living. They're not cops. They're not even, you know, security guards or anything like that. But they understand the basic concept. When that guy comes through the door and starts shooting, that clock starts ticking, people die. And the longer that clock ticks, the more people die. You've got to stop that clock. Absolutely. So every one of them is dedicated to that. Absolutely. And uh, some things to, to know about the Faster Saves Lives program itself. This is not brand new. This has been around for, what, five, six years, right? It's uh, started in Ohio. Now there's a chapter in Colorado. I'm truly hoping that uh, there's some success in gaining the, 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 um, the support and, and helping people understand the need. I'm hoping we can have a Faster in Arizona. And so it has had incredible success in the five or six years that it's been out there. It has trained hundreds of uh, administrators, faculty, staff, all across the nation. Just because it's in Ohio doesn't mean it's just for Ohio schools. People have come from all over. And here's how you know that it's had success. 
because if there had been anything that went even slightly wrong with any of the people who have participated in the faster programs, I guarantee you the uh, network news people, the activist journalists would have been all over that and would have spread it faster than wildfire to let you know that, oh, they're arming teachers and it went poorly just like we thought it might. Well, it hasn't going poorly. And um, the, the, even the notion of arming teachers, you know, I, I've probably said it enough now that it's starting to sound like a, you know, a metronome. But if you're someone like me, I'm armed no matter what my day job is because I'm trained, I'm responsible. Uh, it's just part of my wardrobe to have a concealed carry uh, firearm. So why would you disarm me no matter what my day job is? And when we're talking about these teachers, um, you went and took the training yourself. I'm a little jealous about that. I'm not going to lie. Um, but you took the training yourself. You got to know these people. You said they're great people. Uh, is it just, you know, uh, Mr. Smith, who's just like a little too eager to, you know, have a gun and, and, you know, bring it on campus? It's not, right? Can you tell us a little bit about the process of how these teachers end up in the FASTER program and then who pays for this? Because the other thing you're going to hear is people say, oh, it's too expensive. Schools can't afford it. They already don't have, you know, crayons for the kids, you know, that sort of thing. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, the folks that were in the classes that I took, I took the level one and level two class back to back, which is not usually the way it's done. Uh, usually the teachers, administrators, so on, they take the level two, level one class, get their certification. Um, then they spend usually a year or so carrying in the district, learning the routine, working with the other folks that do it. You know, they, they, they try to have teams as much as possible and, and stay in touch and practice regularly. Then they come back after that for the level two, which is more advanced of the same, basically the same sort of thing, scenario training, uh, more medical training, et cetera. Um, I took them back to back mostly because I don't have to go back to a district and worry about integrating. So it was mostly uh, for observation purposes. And uh, being not young anymore, I will tell you, I don't recommend taking them back to back. That's, that's a lot of training. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but I got through it. I managed you know, not to hurt myself or anybody else doing it. Um, and yeah, it's not cheap. I mean, this is top quality training. And this is uh, a, the class I went to was done at uh, Tactical Defense Institute in Southern Ohio. It was John Benner's place. And these guys, I mean, John is, is a 40 years on the police force, 25 years, I believe, as a SWAT commander, a Vietnam veteran before that. And this is a guy who knows what he's talking about. Um, most of his instructors are either uh, well-qualified civilians or former law enforcement. Every one of them, to a man, knows what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. and so uh, when these guys, you know, when, when they're teaching you this stuff, they do it right the first time and they go through it with you and they get everybody on the same page. Um, in a class of, I want to say, 26, I don't think anybody failed to pass the qualification. At the end of the, the first three days, the level one class, they have the Ohio police test, basically the same test that a cop has to pass to carry a gun. And, uh, and they, it's a 28-point test, and you can only drop two points. Um, my understanding is uh, Ohio police qualifications are actually less than that, but they want to make sure everybody is 
absolutely top-notch with their firearm skills. So, uh, so uh, yeah, it's not cheap. They, you know, top-notch training never is. But what the Buckeye folks have done, Buckeye Firearms Foundation, which basically put this together with John Benner, um, they try to get donations into their foundation to sponsor this so that, you know, let's say a district wants to send three or four people, they use the donations to pay that so that, you know, the, and, and nobody's getting rich on this, but, you know, the folks, that they, the instructors and the various uh, people putting this together need to make some money to keep it going. Um, you can't have a big range in Southern Ohio without something. Um, so their solution is basically get donations and use that to pay so the schools don't have to. And uh, we're hoping at the AZCDL Foundation to change that conversation as well and to get people focused more on, yeah, you know what, let's get good training for our on-scene people because let's face it, the, the school staff, they're the first people that are in the line of fire. And, you know, all applause to law enforcement for doing a tough job. And every last one of them does their best to get where they need to go. But, you know, John pointed out, and again, veteran squad cop, you got to call them. Yeah. There's time. Yes. They got to be dispatched. Yeah. There's time. You got to gear up and get ready to go. There's time. You got to travel to the location. Even if you're a little ways away, still time. Um, what was it, the STEM school in Colorado, I believe, they showed up in about three minutes, which is absolutely phenomenal response time. Still had a bunch of people dead. Mm -hmm. Yes. Time is ticking. Exactly. And in the immediacy of an emergency situation, uh, if you can act, you yourself, or if you know that there are trained staff who can act, uh, in that immediacy, even with the recent, um, I think it was the Ohio um, guy that was uh, the murderer, that I kept hearing that the police were there within a minute, and he was still able to, to murder nine people. And, you know, the other side, the side that hates guns wants to say, see, that's, that's why we need fewer guns. And our side that understands and trains for emergency situation understands, no, if, if there had been more guns in the hands of good people right there in the immediacy, before he could have even lifted his, his firearm in the first place, he could have been uh, conceivably stopped. So, you know, same exact scenario, same argument that, you know, it takes a minute at the fastest, it takes a minute for the police to act. Um, but when you come at it from two different angles, uh, it, it does create a conversation, but for some reason, our side seems to get drowned out so quickly. And to me, it makes no sense at all because we know, and you've taken this training and you were able to see uh, how quickly trained people can uh, react to and because they were proactive in the first place uh, to, to address an emergency situation and then to administer that medical care that's so, so vital to preserving life once there's been an injury. Well, part of the training and its important part is bringing you through scenarios and showing you what needs to be done in a given situation. And they keep mixing up the situation. So <laughs> they're very devious that way. They don't do anything. <laughs> and, you know, it gets you to think, you know, how fast do I have to move? How fast is too fast? How fast is too slow? You're hearing gunfire going on. People are getting hurt. You need to get there, but you need to get there without getting killed. So, you know, a lot of this, and 
you know, to the people who say it's too much, it's too much, for some folks it's going to be, plain and simple. It will be too much because there's a lot of things to deal with. Uh, you know, uh, part of a one scenario was you came in and there was a, a group of people struggling for a gun. And so you walk into this crowded room, people running, screaming, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's three guys in the middle of the room with a gun up in the air. Who's the bad guy? Mm. So you got to figure out, okay, right away, who's the bad guy? And when I did that scenario, I was like, the first thing I thought when I walked in the room, was, oh God, what am I going to do now? <laughs> but you know, it took me maybe a second. And I said to myself, ask somebody. So I looked at one of the, the role players who were supposed to be students. Who's the bad guy? The guy with the black shirt, okay? <laughs> you know, it's like it makes you think. And that's the whole idea of training is to make you Absolutely. think, put yourself in these scenarios. And what would I do if? Absolutely. And so, uh, and like I said, and nobody can account for everything. But the, going back to what we were saying earlier, the most important thing is you on the scene, the guy standing in front of the other guy with a gun, you are the first responder. Exactly. You have to be able to answer that. And absolutely, call the police. It's their job to come in and take care of these things. And it's one of the other things about the training is they teach you how to deal with responding officers. Make sure that somebody is out there telling them, hey, you know, there's an armed staff member in there. He looks like this. He's wearing this, et cetera, et cetera. So don't shoot him. Mm -hmm. you know, important things like that. But, you know, you don't think about it, but faster guys have. Absolutely. And having that kind of training. And it also, um, just the fact of having... Uh, staff on campus that has this training and and has a greater degree of situational awareness that just comes with that kind of thinking and training um, we can't even factor in what a, a humongous deterrent that is for bad guys to even choose that particular place as a target once you have, and, and I'm not sure how the schools are communicating this, I know they don't communicate who has had the training um, because that's part of if somebody's wearing a uniform, bad guy's going to, you know, shoot the uniform first uh, so that there's uh, less resistance facing uh, him or her. Um, but the fact that we in Arizona do have constitutional carry and, and so many of us are responsibly armed citizens. Um, that is one of the reasons that we have such, we enjoy such a quality of life and such a low crime rate is because an armed society is a, a more polite society. Um, you know, it's, it's a, a little bit of a, a catchphrase now, but it really is true that when the bad guys think that there's going to be uh, resistance to what they have planned, they tend to not plan it where there's resistance. Is, is that a fair way of saying that? Uh, it's been historically the fact. Uh, John Lott has done a lot of research on these things. Uh, you know John. And um, he's found, and I forget the exact number, but I want to say something to the effect of 90 plus percent of these incidents occur in gun-free zones. And, and you know, it's interesting, and it goes back to the conversation we were having earlier about policy solutions. Um, a lot of the folks on the, the anti-freedom side that are over there saying, we need more gun control, we need more gun laws, et cetera, et cetera. You look at the Gilroy Garlic Festival shooting, perfect example. Mm -hmm. This was a place that had a police presence, heavy police presence, 
had metal detectors, had a perimeter fence, et cetera, so no gun signs everywhere. And, and, and of course, obviously California, which probably has the, the roughest gun laws anywhere. And yet this person still managed to get around all that. Mm-hmm. You sure and did. Police response time was phenomenal. They got there in less than a minute. But again, people died because no matter what you put in place, other than individual self-defense, what's going to do the job? And then you, you take uh, somebody like you or myself that we have taken the steps to be responsibly armed citizens and have training and on situational awareness, all those things, right? And then we want to go and enjoy the Gilroy Garlic Festival. And as we go in, they say, no, 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 you can't, you can't protect yourself. The implication is, right, they don't say that they're going to protect you. And a matter of fact, it's probably there's a sign up someplace saying we are not responsible for, for your protection. But they've taken a bit away our ability to protect ourselves. And then if something happens to us or our family member, what, what more insult is there in that? that we were disarmed by this plastic sign or this paper sign and the this facade of of safety around us um i I just can't imagine uh being the person that made that decision and then having to face somebody like us that says i could have i could have helped i could have been there we saw that with the um el paso uh murders. There was a, a young man who was a reservist, I believe, um, in one of the, the armed forces. And he was there with his concealed carry firearm. And he he said about helping to, to shuttle children out as quickly as he could. And to listen to his interview afterwards, all he can think about and all he will live with for the rest of his life is what more could I have done? Mm-hmm. And to put you know, responsibly armed citizens like ourselves in that scenario where we could have done more if someone hadn't have told us, no, this is a gun-free zone. Well, it wasn't a gun-free zone. None of those areas are because the bad guys have shown us over and over and over again that they will ensure that it is not a gun-free zone and that they will have the upper hand because they'll be the only ones with the gun. Well, and again, we go back to policy prescriptions everybody's screaming for gun control now. You've even got some ostensibly pro-rights Republicans that are saying, oh, well, you know, there, there's some gun control that we could probably accept. But, and we discussed this a little bit earlier, the fundamental premise of gun control is guns the problem, not the person. And so we start getting into this whole argument about red flag laws and something we also discussed earlier. You know, we're all talking about, well, there's a lack of due process and you don't get a lawyer and this and the other. We're getting bogged down in the constitutional minutia when we fail to recognize, for whatever reason, that this is gun control. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I'm going to go to a court. I'm going to tell a judge that I believe that you're dangerous. Mm-hmm. The judge buys my argument. Presumably, it was a valid argument. So let, let's just stipulate that it was a valid argument, that you didn't go in there looking to make my life miserable. Okay, I'm dangerous. Now they come and they take my guns away and I walk away. So essentially what they're saying is, oh, okay, well, we've got red flag laws now. So we've got this this dangerous, potentially violent killer in front of us. We took all his guns away. We're good. Kumbaya. 
kumbaya, right? He's suddenly cured of any and all. Drive home and do whatever you want to do on the way, you, you know, uh, much like the Nice attack that we talked about earlier. You, know, you could drive through a crowd of people and kill every last one of them. You got your guns, we're good. This is gun control. And, and I think it was Einstein, or at least Einstein is credited with having saying the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. You couldn't have more gun control than you have in California. Mm-hmm. You couldn't have a more secure outdoor facility that, than they had at Gilroy. Yet, the crazy guy with the gun still got in and still killed people mm-hmm. because gun control is focused on the gun instead of the crazy guy. Absolutely. Dave, I mean, you and I are preaching to the choir when we talk to each other, but I'm hoping uh, so much that the people listening to this and watching this will pause long enough to think their way through this whole red flag gun law. Um, ERPOs is another way they're, they're referred to, emergency response. Uh, protection law protection order, stop laws. Um, I think there's another phrase. Think them through. If I am a danger to myself or others, and all you do is come into my house and take my guns, the ones you know about, how has that saved anybody from anything? Because I, you said, was the threat to self or others. Now, let's suppose they do take all of my guns. Well, how about the fact that I go feed my neighbor's fish and I've got a key to his house and he's got guns and I know where they are. So again, have you saved anybody? Have you kept anybody safe? If I am a threat to self or others, then I, the human being, is the the entity that needs to be quarantined. Stop making it about the tool. There will always be another tool available to somebody that wants to do harm to self or others. The government, from what I understand, the federal government, Dave, uh, you're, I'm sure you're following this very closely. Are they saying that uh, at the federal level they're going to create a red flag gun law? Or how are they addressing the public about this? Well, you've got folks mostly on the, the left side of the aisle that want to do exactly that, that want to create a national red flag law. Um, it sounds like, from what I'm hearing, that the Republicans are ready to say, well, we're not going to do that, but we're going to create a funding bill that will say, we want to encourage states to create these laws, so we're going to throw money at them. Uh, and, you know, it's a typical political solution to something. You know, look, we did something, we gave them money, now they can do it. And then, of course, the states, uh, including ours, which uh, uh, the governor here has been pushing these laws for a couple of years. Uh, the legislature has been very reluctant to get behind them, and, and uh, we might have had something to do with that. But um, I know you have. <laughs> you, they have now. They're going to be able to come in and say, "Okay, I know you guys don't really like this law, but we're going to get a big pot of money from it." And how many people are going to fold that? Because let's face it, we're talking about politicians here, and for the majority of them they're more concerned with getting reelected than they are with sticking to their principles. Well, they are. And uh, from what I understand, Governor Ducey is trying to sort of wrap and and hide the stop law, which is the red flag gun law, inside of a a school bill. And so the minute you say it's for the children, then people fold and they go, yeah, okay, if it's for the children, it must be a good idea when didn't we just say a few minutes ago 
but uh, sure, it's a meme, but there's a lot of truth in this meme that some people will say, how many children have to die uh, until you uh, get rid of guns? And we say, how many children have to die before you will step up and do what's necessary to protect yourself and protect your children? And very often that does come down to, you know, some sort of armed response. Um, and of course, we think in terms of responsibly armed citizens, the other side constant, they, they can't put the word responsibly and armed together in a sentence because it doesn't serve them politically. Um, Again, it goes back to the focus on the gun. Yes. It doesn't matter what nice guy you are or, you know, how well-trained you are or any of that stuff. You're not a government agent. You shouldn't have a gun because guns are bad. And that's the mentality. So it's very difficult to get past that. Yeah. Um, part of the problem that we have at the legislative level, everybody wants a solution. Nobody wants to have to think too hard about the solution. Yeah. So as long as somebody can come in and say, look, I did something. Yes. I feel like their re-election prospects are safe. And, you know, I'm going to have people, <laughs> given my, my uh, attachment to folks at the legislature, I'm going to have a lot of people come back on me after they hear this and say, but you know, that's not true about me. And for some of them, that's absolutely the case. But for a lot of them, the reality is this is a quick and dirty, quote unquote, solution that they can put out there and make it look like they did something. Well, the other thing that they're trying to do to say they did something is to, uh, you know, talk about, you know, background checks again. And every single one of these recent bad guys, I mean, like, I can't remember the last time that a, a background check would have been instrumental in preventing one of these uh, mass murders, mass murderers from doing what they did. So it's... It's like, you know, I need to fix the tire on my car. And I'm saying, no, my, my tire is fine. No, you have to fix it because I say you have to fix. No, it's fine. And it, it, we're just stuck in this word loop. Um, but again, it's because, you know, people are shouting at the government, do something. And it's not, the government wasn't designed to do everything for us. Oftentimes, it really does come down to the individual. Um, and I, I've taken a ton of your time. I need to start wrapping up. But um, I just really want to encourage folks to keep your gray matter engaged. Keep your, your train on the logic track. Don't get so caught up in the emotion of these horrible events and the, the faces of the, the victims on the television. Of course we grieve with them. Of course we, we would give anything if we could have been there and done something different. But the something different is never going to be fixed by the things that are being proposed today with the, the red flag gun laws and the um, universal background checks. But one of the things that could make a difference to schools right now in real time in Arizona and every state across the nation is a program like Faster Saves Lives. And so once again, I, I want to ask Dave to tell us about this seminar, uh, when it is, where it is, how you can participate. Um, you would have to be here in Arizona to do that, but you might be inspired and say, you know what, we need a program like this in my state because I'm in Kentucky or, you know, wherever you might be. So uh, Dave, take us out with talking to us a little bit about this and also how people can support the work you do uh, at the AZCDL. 
Well, and again, the conversation kind of loops back to we need to change the overall dialogue. You know, we need to stop talking about, well, what can we do to, to get rid of the guns? Guns are not the problem. They're not going to be the problem. We have to focus on what we can do to keep kids from going nuts, to keep adults from going nuts, you know, whatever. It, and that's probably not politically correct, but, but <laughs> it'll work for this venue. It's fine. Whatever it is that we have to do to get people to listen to real solutions, they, you know, honest to God, things that can be done to stop these things, mm-hmm. because doing the same thing over and over again still isn't working. And so, you know, like I said, Gilroy is a perfect example. They had every conceivable, including a red flag law, every conceivable gun control law in California didn't work. Didn't work. Absolutely. So, you know, uh, it's um, September 14th is going to be the date of it. Absolutely. September, Saturday, September 14th, 2019. Uh, it's at the Sheraton Crescent Hotel Ballroom in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, is this is an all day thing, right? Uh, yeah, nine to five. Uh, my alarm's about to go off because my wife is coming in. So. <laughs> um, yeah, it's all day. It's nine to five. Uh, there's a special breakfast reception from eight to nine for people who want to uh, donate a little more. They get to meet the colonel, take a picture, get one of his books. Um, basically, come prepared to learn. This is training. Yeah. Uh, it's not just, oh, well, we're going to have a bunch of people talking and asking you for money. And, and we're perfectly willing to take your money if you want to give it to us. But the main thing is to come and sit and listen and learn. Colonel Grossman will spend the day teaching you how we can deal with these situations effectively, not just throw words around in, in the legislature. Um, the proceeds, all of the proceeds benefit the CDL Foundation, which they are tax deductible as donations. The purpose of the donations goes to things like bringing faster to Arizona. That's basically what we're, we're doing right now. That's what we're working on. Um, you can support the C4, the, the main organization, just by going to the website. It's www.azcdl.org. Getting involved. Um, we've got all kinds of great information there. Uh, legislative alerts list you can join. And we will keep you informed of what's going on downtown when the legislature is back in session. Was it uh, Mark Twain, I want to say, said no man's life, liberty, or property is safe when the legislature is in session. So we'll help you keep that safe. Um, but it starts at the website. So and anybody wants to join, that donations to C4 are not tax deductible, but donations to the foundation to bring training life faster to Arizona are tax deductible. And uh, we're, we're always happy to take your time, your effort, and your money. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, you use excellent uh, use of of those things you you don't over you don't flood people's emails full of you know give us more and more and more money you you only communicate when and I say this because in full disclosure I am a lifetime member of the AZCDL uh, and it helps me stay informed and helps me actually be involved and not have to be down at the Capitol all the time you know, you guys are doing the work for us. You just need us to help you with that uh, by being members and by responding to those uh, letters. You'll, you'll write the whole letter out to tell your congressperson, hey, this is what I have to say about this. And then if I felt like, well, that doesn't sound like my voice, I can even edit it before I hit send. 
Or if I'm like, nope, they nailed it, I can hit send. Uh, it's, it's an incredible resource. It's a powerful resource that we have for freedom here in the state of Arizona. And I encourage everybody to um, go and sign up. That is azcdl.org. I also highly encourage everybody to uh, attend this seminar. Uh, it's going to be life-changing, the information that you get. Um, I believe there's some special pricing if you're a, a law enforcement agent uh, of any kind. I understand there's some special pricing if you're a teacher of any kind. Um, and we just encourage you to come out and listen and have an open mind and, and consider the idea of if you or your campus could uh, participate in something that will, it has been proven to save lives when there are people in the immediacy of an emergency situation. Dave Kopp, thank you so much for all of your time. Thank you so much for all that you do. Uh, you are very appreciated. Uh, anything else to add before we sign off? Um, show up, bring friends, uh, especially law enforcement friends, educator friends. Um, like you said, the discounted admission for those folks. Uh, these are the folks that really need to be there. Um, Absolutely. You know, practical solutions, not just throwing words around, not just throwing paper around, practical solutions. Come and learn. Absolutely. I love it. Thank you again so much. Stick around. There's always lots more coming up on Gun Freedom Radio.